This is Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to Spark My Muse. This is Soul School, Lesson 170, The Fog of Worry. Before I get to the reading today, I want to give you a quick reminder that the Spark My Muse Book Club October reading selection is I See You, How Love Opens Our Eyes to Invisible People by Terrence Lester. The live event will be Wednesday, November 4th at 7.30 p.m., where we will gather and discuss the book. Terrence will be there live to answer our questions and discuss the book. Terrence Lester is a celebrated humanitarian. His work with the homeless and poor in Atlanta and around the country and the world has made national and international news and garnered him dozens of awards, including the 2020 American Express NGen Leadership Award. He is the founder of Love Beyond Walls, which helps the poor and homeless, and Love Sinks In, which brings hand-washing stations to areas that are high-traffic areas of homeless people. Please go to sparkmymuse.com and click on the Book Club tab for the links related to this book and the live event link. Please join us for what promises to be a wonderful time together and see the other book selections that are upcoming. Today I'm going to read an article about worry. It comes from the website called The School of Life. I will make the link to this available in the show notes for this episode at patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse. As a supporter of Spark My Muse, at a dollar a month or more, you can access all my weekly notes, get news, and be involved in the book club, as well as get other goodies and rewards. Check that out. This article is called, On Needing to Find Something to Worry About. Let's begin. It sounds paradoxical and absurd to think that some of us might need to find something to worry about in order to recover our equilibrium. Worry is, after all, something we should rightly hate to have to suffer and should engage with only when absolutely necessary. Yet some of us do start to feel distinctly nervous when things around us settle down and pervasive stillness descends. We start to feel anxiety about the future precisely when, and in a sense because, there is nothing especially awful on the horizon. We wake up in the middle of a quiet night filled with unnameable dread. We may pick up our phones in the hope that they will deliver a requisite shock of anxiety. We scan the news for alarming stories. We look out for aggressive or problem-laden emails. And normally, we quickly hit on something to return us to a more familiar panicked mode. Our behavior might be easy to mock and dismiss, but the fact that we need to find something to worry about isn't mere indulgence. It's evidence of a particular kind of problem that deserves special compassion and patient understanding. The compulsive need to worry is evidence that somewhere in a past we haven't fully unpacked and understood, we underwent something properly worrying and sad. Before our adult faculties were adequately in place, we suffered a traumatic set of events that jammed our inner alarms into their on modes, and we haven't been able to quiet them or soothe ourselves since. 
But what is worse is the original trauma has been forgotten. We don't even notice that the inner alarms are ringing. The manic worrier worries, as it were, about, quote, everything, unquote, because they are unable to be appropriately concerned with and in mourning for one or two big things from long ago. The anxiety that belonged to one particular distant time and place has been redistributed and subdivided across hundreds of ever-shifting topics in the present from workplace to reputation, money to household tasks, and because its true source and origins remain unknown to the sufferer. We are using the flotsam and jetsam of everyday worries as a proxy for an unmasterable trauma. Shame, humiliation, a sense we don't matter to our caregivers, neglect or abuse. We should not sarcastically point out to worriers that they need, quote, something else to worry about, unquote. We should realize that something terrifying that they have buried deep in their unconscious is lending a continuous sense of dread to their fragile present. Psychoanalyst Donald Winnicott captured the dynamic of this forgetting in a memorable phrase, quote, the catastrophe we think will happen has in fact already happened, unquote. We manic worriers need not sarcasm, but supportive and intelligent company to give us the love we need to dare to look back at the past and the insight with which to try to do so. Our feeling of dread is a symptom of an ancient sorrow that hasn't found its target in the here and now. And our ongoing quest and alarm is a sign that we keep not finding anything in the outer world that answers to the horror of the inner one. Needless to say, it isn't the case that there is never anything to worry about in the present, just that there is a lot less than the manic worrier tends to believe. Furthermore, what there is to worry about can be coped with with far more resilience than the manic worrier can imagine, for they are operating with what is essentially a child's sense of their own powers and capacity for survival. Rather than constantly check their phones at 4 a.m., manic worriers should gradually come to exchange their feelings of dread for the future, for a patient understanding and mourning for an unfairly traumatic and as yet insufficiently explored past. There's a lot to chew on there, and you might want to go back and listen to this essay again. I call this Soul School episode the fog of worry because we who have been traumatized at different points in our life come to think of life in different ways and to be vigilant so that threats can be addressed and so that we won't suffer additional pain. In the process of doing that, we can thrive on dopamine or adrenaline as if it's part of our normal diet instead of these things that should happen to us in extreme moments or times of traumatic peril once in a while. And when that happens, we get into routines of not just worrying, but of continually fending off the anxiety that we are both trying to prevent and yet inviting into our lives by doing neurotic things, such as looking for problems by doom scrolling or looking for our emails over and over in a obsessive or neurotic fashion. 
it signals a place within us that needs attending to and healing. It is these types of things that I noticed in my own world within. I address these in my new book called The Wild Land Within, Cultivating Wholeness Through Spiritual Practices. And that's available for pre-order now if you go to tiny.cc forward slash wildland or just do a search for The Wild Land Within on Amazon or IndieBound or wherever you would like to buy your book and you can get a pre-order. But what I found for myself is that all the trauma of the past, whether I remember it or not, was generalized and flattened. And I found myself trying to cope with and heal those wounds in the present, looking for ways to cope and survive in the same ways I did as a child, in these obsolete ways, and also bringing the trauma of the past or the coping ways of the past into the present where it didn't even exist at times. But trauma we've experienced never stays just in the past. If we haven't healed from it, it is currently with us all the time and it doesn't know chronology. It doesn't know to stay in a certain time period and not bug us again. So if you've been encountering a kind of fog of worry where you aren't sure how to appropriately be concerned with times now, and even though these are perilous times, they in fact are triggering things, discomfort and problems, and even terrors from your past. It is a good time to be reminded to look to your past and to ask questions of it. And instead of ending this soul school peacefully and calmly as I normally do, I want to end it with a little bit of discomfort and an invitation for you to take the next step towards your own healing. Write down something today for your soul school lesson homework that engages with something in your past, something you haven't been ready to deal with, some sort of pain or trauma you haven't been ready to deal with and instead have been looking for in the worries and anxieties that you are recognizing today in today's world, in today's timeline and feed that you encounter now. And my hope for you is that in investigating what has been generalized from the past, you aren't held captive and victim to the same kinds of worries that are ongoing and punishing you today. And really, I am wishing those very same things for myself. We are all moving along through this life and through this journey of existing, trying to reconcile the things that have happened to us and the things that we have encountered and trying to do better the more we learn. We're all trying to find ways to heal, to reconcile our relationships, and to do better when we know better. I want to give you a quick reminder that the Spark My Muse book club October reading selection is I See You, How Love Opens Our Eyes to Invisible People by Terrence Lester. The live event will be Wednesday, November 4th at 7.30 p.m., where we will gather and discuss the book. Please go to sparkmymuse.com and click on the book club tab for the links related to this book and the live event link. Join me again next week for a guest episode. Thank you for listening.